Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The Beautiful Community. As the image of the Trinity, the church is called to be the beautiful community of unity and diversity. And everything we need to accomplish this has been given to us by God so that we might overflow with blessing for others. We hope this helps you understand and apply God's word in your life today. To have everyone that is here with us in person and also those who are still watching online. Uh, we are grateful for everyone coming and pray that the Lord would be ministering to and encouraging you. Uh, this morning we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. And uh, if you're looking on, on in your Bibles, I'll give you a moment to turn there. I will remind you uh, that during this time we're not taking up our offering. You can always give right out here in the little vestibule. There's a box or you can give online. Uh, you can also download all the materials and everything online to help us continue walking through this together. And we are also continuing our outside communion services. They'll be continuing on throughout all of this so that whether you can come on Sunday morning or whether you're not able to come on Sunday morning, we can still gather together around the Lord's table, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one table that we all enjoy together. And so encourage you to do that. Keep your eyes open. And also keep your eyes open as well, just because as we move through, there'll continue to be changes. There are things we're working on right now to continue to help us ministering during this time. And so there'll be communication coming out you know, fairly often from uh, the church regarding what's going on. Encourage you to keep your eyes open for that. So again, today we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7. We're continuing to look at the beautiful community. Uh, how does the life and nature of the Trinity inform our life as a church? We're specifically looking at the church right now, not other aspects of life, but how the Trinity informs the life of the church. Today we're going to be looking at the idea of diversity. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 to 7, hear now the word of the sovereign triune God. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. If you listen to music very often, there are a couple of different ways you can have music. Sometimes you can have a solo instrument where there's one person or just one voice that is singing. And that can be beautiful, but there's also a band or a symphony. And the word symphony actually comes from two Greek words that mean to make a sound together with someone else. And a symphony uh, refers to this sound that comes together, and we oftentimes today think of it in terms of an orchestra. And while one instrument can be beautiful, there is a depth that comes from many instruments. While one voice can be beautiful, there is a depth and a richness that comes when you have multiple parts being sung in harmony with one another. And I bring this up because what Paul's teaching in 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll not only look at these three verses, but kind of throughout the chapter, he's telling us that the nature of the church as flowing from the Trinity is much more like a symphony than a solo. It's much more like an, an orchestra rather than a one-man band, so to speak. That there is this beautiful diversity that comes together. So we're going to talk about that this morning. Now, 
as we're looking throughout this series, we're not only looking at passages about the life of the church, but they are passages that are built upon the Trinity. And they're telling us that this aspect of the church is true because we worship the Holy Trinity, the triune God. And so the source of our diversity is, in fact, the Trinity. Now, notice this passage is clearly about diversity. Last week, we looked at a passage that was about unity. This week, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul's concern is diversity. So notice in verses 4 to 6, he uses the word different three times, uh, and he also uses three different words for spiritual gifts. So Paul says there are different kinds of gifts, there are different kinds of service, and there are different kinds of of working. So both through the fact that he keeps saying that there are different ones and he uses the word difference and also because for the same concept of spiritual gifts which is what 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is about he doesn't use the same term he uses three different terms because Paul's wanting to say I want you to understand there is a variety there is a diversity that is given within different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And in fact, Paul goes on in the following verses. We'll just look at verses 7 and 9. He keeps bleeding this out. But notice how he shows that there are many different gifts, and he uses another term, which is manifestation of the Spirit. He tells us in verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. And he continues on. And Paul's point here is, look, I've just told you that there are three times I've mentioned different. And I've given you three different titles for spiritual gifts, gifts, service, working. I'm now giving you yet another one which is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And because the triune God is working by the Holy Spirit, you shouldn't expect one spiritual gift. You should expect a diversity of gifts. There are many gifts that are given to the church. And notice here Paul says in verse 7, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And if, if you look at this in the Greek, there is an emphasis on each and every single one of you are given gifts but your gifts are going to be distinct. They are going to be different. In fact, if you really study spiritual gifts in the Scripture, even if two of us have the exact same spiritual gift, because we are distinct human beings, because we have a different makeup, God has wired us together differently, because we even have different backgrounds and experiences, the way that spiritual gift is experienced, the way it is manifested by the Holy Spirit may look very, very different. And Paul says that's not only not a bad thing, it's a good thing. It's not only something that just happens to happen, it's actually what God desires to happen. And so throughout these chapters, he's trying to stress the multiplicity of gifts. And Paul does this, he then flows into a teaching about the church itself, not just spiritual gifts, but the whole church, and he refers to it by the metaphor of the body. And he's talking about the body and then the body of Christ, the church. So notice in verses 14, and then we'll skip down to verses 19 and 20 because he keeps expanding these ideas. So for brevity, we'll, we'll skip down. He says, now the body is not made up of one part, but many. He's using an analogy we all understand. We've all got many body parts, but it's one body. Verse 19, he says, 
If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So notice you got the same idea we have with spiritual gifts. There's one body, but that body is comprised of many, many different parts. Just like the Holy Spirit is working, it's one God working, but the expression comes out in multiple gifts. And Paul says, in fact, if everything was the same, you don't have a body. If, if all you had was an ear, what would you be? An ear. You would not be a body. You would just be one body part. And Paul reiterates, there is one body, but many diverse parts. And in fact, as he goes on in this metaphor, and we're all probably fairly familiar with it, uh, every single part is needed for the body to be healthy and to function well. We all know because of our own human bodies, and as we age, certain things start not working as well. And every time something is not working as well, we have to make compensations in other ways, don't we? And those who are older really recognize what I'm talking about. It becomes more of a struggle. We, we like it when everything is working and when everything is working together, that's what a healthy body looks like. When one part stops functioning, something is going wrong in the body. Now, it's not just that Paul's teaching on diversity. I want you to see that what he's saying is this diversity is there because of the very nature of the Trinity. The Trinity, our God, one God eternally existed in three persons, is the reality on which the entire universe exists. And it is the reality upon which the church exists and we draw our life. This is the foundational doctrine. So notice what Paul says here in verses 4 to 6. He brings up a Trinitarian reference. He doesn't just say that there's different gifts, service, and working. He says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord, which throughout his letters refers to Jesus. And there are different kinds of working, but the same God. This is another Trinitarian reference. Part of what I'm hoping to do in this series is to get us to see, we read through passages sometimes, and we think, well, this is about spiritual gifts, and it is. But it's built upon the doctrine of the Trinity. Paul's saying the reason there's a variety of gifts is because God is triune. If he was not triune, there might not be a variety of gifts. But because he is, there of necessity must be a variety of gifts. And notice, again, that it's not just he refers to Spirit, Lord, and God, but the entire structure is Trinitarian. The Trinity is one God in three persons. It's the one and the many, unity and diversity. And so notice what Paul says. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of working, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of uh, service. There are different kinds of working, but the same God. So you get the many and the one. The entire structure is Trinitarian. You, when you cut Paul, he bleeds Trinity. And he says we need to be thinking deeply because this must inform what we expect the church to look like and how we expect the church to work. The reason for the diversity of gifts in the church is because our God is the Holy Trinity. One God eternally exists in his three persons. Paul says if you think through that, 
then your default position would be to expect not just one gift, but many. And of course, we, Paul's dwelling on this because what did the Corinthians want to do? What, what gift did the Corinthians all want? But remember, it's tongues. They were exalting one gift above all the others. And Paul spends three chapters saying, you don't understand the way you're doing that. It's like making your entire body an ear or your entire body a hand or a foot. God wants there to be all the gifts in operation. And he's also telling us that the Trinity is also the reason for the healthy diversity in the church, the body of Christ. As Paul moves from gifts to the church, he comes back to the Trinity again. And it's in verses 12 to 19 that he deals with this. We'll look at 12, 13, and 18. So notice Paul says the body and he's ultimately referring to the church, is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though its parts are all many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So he's saying, just like the human body is this way, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, uh, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. But in, and then in verse 18, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So notice here, we've again got Christ, Spirit, God. Paul says, just like spiritual gifts, you should recognize there's going to be a diversity of gifts because of the nature of the Trinity. You should also recognize that the church is going to have a diversity within it because of the very nature of the Trinity. The church is the body of Christ. The, we are all baptized into that body by the Holy Spirit, and it is God who assigns each of us a part in a local church. So Father, Son, and Spirit, because it's the Trinity, there's going to be a diversity. Notice we've also got this whole phrase of the body, because here Paul's talking about, he's using the analogy of the human body, but he's saying, I'm now referencing the church. It's not just gifts, it is the church. So the Trinity, who is the source of all reality, so we should expect to see both unity and diversity. He doesn't say there are many bodies, there's one body. But there is a diversity of members or parts or gifts within that body. And the one and the many, we should expect to see this throughout creation, including in the church. And if I can say in a fallen world, especially in the church, the world is at war against the image of God. So we should not be surprised the world not wanting to embrace unity and diversity because they don't want to reflect God. But the church, we should be trying to reflect who God is. So rather than struggling against this unity and diversity, we should be embracing it. So let's turn to the church, the beautiful community of unity and diversity, and see how Paul uh, develops this idea for us here in this text. So notice the application that Paul is driving at. He had started here with this reference to the Trinity in verses 4 to 7. But what he's driving at is he's saying, look, this is the whole nature of the church. It's not just spiritual gifts. It's your entire life as a congregation. There should be unity and diversity. So notice the terms of unity in verses 12 and 13 and then down in verse 27. Again, he keeps breaking out his analogy of the body, his metaphor. But notice for unity, I've got words that are in yellow up there. They're words like unit, one body, one spirit, into one body, one spirit to drink. You are the body of Christ. 
Notice all of those are terms of unity. But on the other hand, equally mixed throughout, which is the words in blue there, there are all these things that speak of diversity. There are many parts. He says parts are many. There are, whether you're Jews or Greeks or slave or free, each one of you is a part. Each and every one of you has your own part to play. All of these speak of diversity. And so the church has to walk in and display both unity and diversity. Now, hear me on this. This is important for us to understand because sometimes today we, we have the word diversity has gotten all mixed up in our culture, has it not? Okay? And if you listen in on Tuesday and after hours, I'm going to be talking about that. But it's important for us to understand whatever the culture's doing, okay? The culture's also messed up the rainbow right now, right? Okay? But, but who gave us the rainbow? God. I, I'm not abandoning it because other people are misusing it. I'm going to stick to what God has shown us. And so the church has to walk in both of these ideas. And the unity of the church is found in holding to the faith that is once for all delivered to the saints. In our common experience of the gospel and the spirit, and in the way that we are willing to give up our rights to serve others in the church, to put their needs ahead of our own needs. We're going to look at this next week in the book of Philippians. We're going to see where Paul makes another Trinitarian appeal that you and I would be willing to put one another ahead of our own needs. This is where the unity of the church comes. Now, in our our theme statement for today... Uh, Notice what I said is the church becomes a beautiful community of diversity as we embrace each other with our different gifts, experiences, ethnicities, and backgrounds and submit to God's word together. If we are not submitted to the word of God, it's not diversity, it's chaos. And I'm going to keep coming back to this phrase. It's not, that's not true diversity, that's just utter chaos. We are submitting to reality, and reality is God. Reality is God's word. Reality is God's will. And so true diversity in the church is not an excuse ever to throw off the word of God. It's not an excuse ever to disobey what God says. That is where our unity resides, that whatever we are, other than that, we are all committed to Jesus Christ and his kingdom. We've been born again by uh, regeneration. We are part of the body of Christ, and we are trying to walk in obedience to the word of God. So that's our unity. But there is also a diversity. And the diversity is found in the fact that we come from different tribes. Paul says, whether you're Jew or Greek, slave or whatever you were, you're coming out of these different tribes and backgrounds. And therefore, we are diverse in our perception. We are diverse in our practice of spiritual gifts and ministry. We're even diverse in our cultures that we come from. And Paul says, that's okay. That's how the body is built. An ear is an ear, and it experiences life as an ear. And an eye is an eye, and it experiences life as an eye. And Paul, if you read through the whole chapter, says, look, if the whole body's an ear, well, where's the mouth to speak? If the whole body's an eye or the whole body's a hand, he's going through and saying, you have to have all of it. So there is a diversity. So a healthy, beautiful 
local church, and I'm speaking about the church, will express both unity and diversity and will not be built upon the distortions of either uniformity or chaos. Our culture wants to present two ways. You can have uniformity or you can have chaos. And we say a pox on both of your houses. We want unity and diversity, not uniformity and not chaos. So now please hear me. I am speaking about the church. This entire series is about the church. If your mind right now is running to political things, you might want to see if you have an idol in your heart. This isn't about politics. That's not first. It's not second. It's not third. It's like 27th in our priority list. Okay? And if it's not, we're making an idol out of it. This is about the church. That's what we're talking about. And it's important for us to understand that. And the church cannot have uniformity. Uniformity is where everyone is so similar and there's really no diversity allowed. We have to think the same about all the questions that are roiling out in our culture right now. And that is, in fact, how many Christians want to live in a local church. I don't want to have to rub shoulders with somebody who thinks differently than I do, except for that's not what God's trying to do. God wants us in a body of different parts. It's a whole lot easier if I'm an I if everybody's an I. It's a whole lot easier if I'm a foot, if everybody experiences life as a foot. The problem comes in when I'm a foot and something else is a hand, and what the hand likes, the foot doesn't like. That's where the struggle comes in. But see, if we try and resist that, what I want is uniformity. On the other end, there's chaos. And there are churches that are trying to resolve this by just having chaos. Pretty much you believe whatever you want to believe, and we embrace and accept anything, and we just believe and practice what we want rather than what God's Word says. But neither of those are what we're called to do. Both of those are ditches. And the church and every one of us are tempted to one side or the other. We struggle as fallen beings, to walk in unity and diversity, the one and the many. And we would rather race off to uniformity or race off to chaos, depending on who we are and what's the issue we're dealing with, but we cannot do that. And let me state, just like I said last week, speaking about unity, that we have to work hard to welcome diversity in the church. It doesn't just naturally happen. It requires work because sinful human beings automatically want to segregate off with those who are like us. So notice Paul brings this up in verses 21 and 22 and then again in 25 and 26. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable so that there should be And then down in verse 25, it says, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, this is where you have to think a little bit because, of course, in a human body, we think that this is a little nonsensical. Our foot doesn't say anything to our hand, okay? It doesn't 
they're just body parts and they do it. But Paul's using this analogy to say, do you see how ridiculous it would be if your body reacted that way? Well, you're the body of Christ. If you behave in this way in the church, then that's how ridiculous it is. You're actually like a body that where the parts are rejecting one another. They are cutting one another off. And there is an ever-present danger that we will reject the diverse parts that God adds to the body. And if you think about this, if you've read the book of Corinthians, you know this is right from the very beginning. In chapter 1, the very first thing Paul says is, you've got division in the body. This one says, I follow Paul. This one says, I follow Apollos. This one says, I follow Peter. And Paul's, were any of us crucified for you? Were you baptized into any of us? It is Christ. You're not called to divide the body like that. And throughout the entire letter, he's having to deal with this. And right now, he's dealing with it saying, and in spiritual gifts. You're right back to the very first issue I brought up in the letter. Again, you're wanting to divide. You're wanting to separate. There is a tendency we have to do that. But what we do very often is we don't usually outright reject diverse parts that God has brought to us. Rather, we simply don't have what Paul refers to as, you know, equal concern for them and do not rejoice and suffer with them. Well, you're welcome to come in and you can rejoice when I rejoice and suffer when I suffer, but when you suffer, that doesn't mean anything for me because I feel fine right now, okay? That's the equivalent of, you know, I smash my thumb with a hammer and my foot says, well, I don't see what the problem is. I think everything's fine. Paul says that, that's, that's wrong, that, that's backwards. Every part suffers together. Because what this does is, if somebody comes in and we don't have equal concern, we're not actively trying to welcome, to understand, to participate, to build together, it communicates to other people that we value uniformity over true unity and personal preferences and comfort over the beautiful community of diversity. And it's easy. Look, look, how many of us in here have personal preferences and comfort things that we just like? All of us do. Every one of us. I like the things I like. I think the way I think. I have the experiences I bring to the table. And when you bring yours in, it's uncomfortable for me. It just is. Why do you think that way? Why is that how you're responding to this? Why is that making you grieve? I don't see anything to grieve over. And it's much easier for me just to say, why don't you just be like me? I mentioned last week, if, if you do that in the marriage, what's happening in the marriage? And that, that marriage is, is in big, big trouble. And I can say the whole time, well, I've got room for them. Well, that's not the point. You're not actually showing equal concern. You're not showing care. You're not actually reaching out and being together. And Paul actually says in this passage that this requires the what he refers to as the stronger parts to be willing to sacrifice to make sure that the weaker parts, that's Paul's terminology, those without power and position are valued and they're honored and they're given a special place. And we try to reach out again in the early church. If you look back in Acts 6, when the Greek-speaking Jews came in and their culture was marginalized by the Hebraic-speaking Jews in the church, they said, okay, well then you pick seven people. You pick the first seven deacons. They'll all come from your community and we will work together to try and maintain unity and be one church. See, that's an example of what we're called to do. To be the beautiful community of diversity will require hard work. 
And it will require hard work now and tomorrow in 2021 and 2022 and every day until you look up and Jesus just bursts through the clouds. It's always going to be hard work because sin. It's a struggle for every one of us. So how do we apply this? Now, I want to talk about diversity 20 and 2020 in the church. Okay, again, in the church. This is what we're talking about. It's important to understand, I've checked, the president, the speaker of the house, the senate, the Supreme Court, none of them are enrolled in our podcast. None of them are watching right now. So I'm not speaking to them. I'm speaking to us. How do we do this in the church? This year is presenting major challenges for the church to embrace diversity. It's bringing things to the surface. There's differing responses to the coronavirus. How serious it is, what we ought to be doing as a culture about it, how churches ought to respond to it. And there are differing opinions over the extent of ongoing racism and how we best address it. Okay, these are all the things that are in our world right now, and we bring them into the church with us. So how do we do this as a church? Well, see, what our culture increasingly does is simply reduces our contact with people that aren't like us. I just, I don't rub shoulders with them. I don't spend time and talk with them. Uh, if, if I have anything, what I do is I harshly judge them and I lob vertical Molotov cocktails their way. That's what I do. I just say they're an idiot. They, they Obviously, their motives are terrible. That's why they're doing what they're doing. That is what our culture is training us to do. There was actually a book written a few years ago where a guy, a sociologist had done study, and it was called The Big Sort, while clustering of like-minded America is tearing us apart. And what they discovered is it's literally people are physically moving from one another. I don't like the people in this neighborhood because they don't agree with me on a whole bunch of things, so I pick up and I move to a neighborhood where people actually do agree with me. And we do the exact same thing on social media. So everything becomes an echo chamber where I can either have my absolute uniformity, even if that's a uniformity of I want just chaos everywhere. Okay, that is what we are being taught by our culture to do. We don't like the tension of unity and diversity. But the very nature of the triune God calls out to the church to embrace unity and diversity. And it's important, especially important for the evangelical church today for us to be an example. See, we need to be a beautiful community that is an alternative to the ugliness that is going on all around us. I mean, just flip on the TV and watch for a few minutes. It's ugly. We need to be a beautiful community of unity and diversity. And I want to say, I really do believe, particularly regarding the issues of racial injustice that are going on, we as the evangelical church, again, that's my concern. I don't have entree to anything else. We missed a huge opportunity in the 1960s uh, when the civil rights movement was here. And oddly enough, you know, many people today say, man, I, I love Dr. King, but I'm struggling with things today, except for Dr. King, if you read letter 
from a Birmingham jail, he wrote to the predominantly white evangelical pastors and said, please, 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 for the love of God, stop opposing what I'm doing. Please join in. Please, let's walk together as the church of Jesus Christ. We actually did not join in and support. And I believe there is a beautiful moment right now for the church to say, as our culture struggles and we break down into groups and there's whites and there's blacks and there's Hispanics and and Asians and everybody breaks down into all these different groups for the church to say, you all can't figure this out and you are struggling and you are fighting and it is ugly. We are a community and no matter who we are, no matter what our background is, no matter what our ethnicity is, no matter what our background experiences are, we are one in Christ Jesus. Because what unites us is far greater than what would divide us. Man, the church could be beautiful before a watching world that cannot figure this out. They can't. And, and no matter who we elect in November, they're not going to be able to solve these problems. But the church could rise up. The church could be a place where this was displayed. And I believe it is a prime moment for us now. Okay? We're like Israel at the edge of the promised land. Do you believe the two spies or do you believe the ten? Okay, God's calling and saying, you can be unity and diversity. You can model the life of the Trinity in a broken, fractured world. So the question for me specifically uh, in all of this is, am I working to embrace diversity? Last week we looked at unity. This week specifically at diversity. Am I working to embrace it? Uniformity and chaos are much easier. There's so much in the Christian life that is this way. It's much easier to run into one ditch or the other. This is difficult. Am I willing to work to do it? Because, see, true diversity is going to require a willingness to listen, a willingness to assume the best about the other person's motives, their words, and their actions, and the willingness to embrace our differences as a strength rather than just resisting them as a problem. See, you and I might talk, and we still might not agree on exactly what needs to happen, but maybe God's bringing us together, and you're an ear and I'm an eye, and we are perceiving things differently, but combined, even with our different ways of perceiving it, there's a strength that wouldn't be there otherwise. Are we willing, however, to work through that, or would I just rather everybody be an eyeball like me? That's the challenge before us. Beautiful diversity won't happen just because we're open to it. Because of our sinful tendencies, we have to pursue it. Personally, as families, and as a church. And that means I have to intentionally reach out to build relationships with people of different experiences, backgrounds, and ethnicities, and different views. Not, not doing what is natural to me, which is just to stick with my crowd, my tribe, whatever they are. They may look differently than me, but as long as they think just like me, I can stick with them. So do I realize 
that true health and beauty require, require, this isn't an option, it's a requirement, diversity, both in my personal life and at BRCC. True beauty. How beautiful would it be if my right ear was like three feet tall? Who, who would vote? Naomi wouldn't even want to cut my hair, would you? I mean, <laughs> you couldn't possibly get in the way of it. I mean, something out of proportion like that is automatically not beautiful. True beauty requires this diversity and it requires this proportion. Am I praying for BRCC to be a place of beautiful diversity in terms of gifts, backgrounds, ethnicity, and even viewpoints? Am I praying for God to do that for us? Now, I want to tell you, we, we are much more diverse than many congregations are, for which I give thanks to God, and I am grateful for that. But I'm praying for it to be even more as the culture breaks down more, that we would be the ones who could display this. And the final question, and then we'll pray. When tensions arise because of diversity, and if we are in a diverse group, will there be tensions? Absolutely. There is no possibility that there won't be tensions. And trust me, during 2020, there have been tensions in this congregation, because I get the emails and the texts of people who view things diametrically opposed to one another. When that happens, am I willing to patiently pray, talk, and work through them? Or do I simply say, you know, Tony and I got along before, but we had a conversation the other day, and we didn't agree on this thing, and I'm not talking to him anymore. What does our culture teach us to do? Exactly that. And in fact, if I run into enough people, if I find out, well, not only Tony thinks that way, Renee thinks that way, and Jared thinks that way, I'm just finding another church. Okay, I know y'all have never seen that happen before. Right? That happens all over the place. And when we do that, we're adding to the ugliness rather than saying we are the beautiful community that is modeling what the Trinity would look like in a fallen world and saying, you know what, let's talk. I'm going to pray, hope, believe, assume the best, and I'm going to recognize that, you know what, Tony might be right in my analogy, and I might be wrong, but what unites us is far greater than anything that would divide us. Let's go ahead and stand, and we'll close with prayer and a word of benediction out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And I encourage you to cry out for the Holy Spirit along with me and let's submit to Him as we walk forward. Our triune God, you are beautiful beyond description and compare. Perfect in unity and diversity, in holiness, love, and integrity. And you call the church to reflect this beauty, full of the unity of the one true faith and full of the diversity of people, cultures, and gifts that you have given. Today we humbly confess that we have often refused this call 
preferring to reject unity and diversity and choosing instead to go our own way. Forgive us for this and empower us so that we might work hard to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace and to see the gifts and manifestations of your Spirit in all their diversity flowing through us. Holy Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on us now. Draw people from every tribe and language, every demographic and age group in our area. Enable us to serve them and to join them to our congregation so that BRCC might be a beautiful community of diversity expressing the full range of gifts and cultures and talents so that we might reflect in some measure the fullness of who you are. Father, we pray that in this time of increasing division and chaos, may we as a congregation experience and display unity and diversity and so become a beautiful community. And Father, I pray that that beauty would draw many to you. Father, I thank you for meeting with us today, here for those who can gather inside the building and for those who are watching from home. We together, one church, Lord, we give you all praise and honor and glory in the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Now receive God's blessing. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. And may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. Go forth blessed and empowered by the Spirit and be a blessing in this world. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.